0: Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's Hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries Podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Mark. Hello, 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 friends and faithful listeners. You've tuned into the P40 Ministries Podcast. And hi, my name is Jen. I am the host here of the P40 Ministries Podcast, and I'm here to talk with you about Let's see here. Mark chapter 14 verses 32 through 50. So let's go ahead and read this. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version this morning. They came to a place which was named Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John and began to greatly be troubled and distressed. He said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. He went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass away from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Please remove this cup from me. However, not what I desire, but what you desire. He came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. Again he returned and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy and they didn't know what to answer him. He came the third time and said to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let's be going. Behold, he who betrays me is at hand. Immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a multitude with swords and clubs, from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Now he who betrayed him had given them a sign, saying, Whoever I kiss, that is he. Seize him and lead him away safely. When he had come, immediately he came to him and said, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. They laid their hands on him and seized him. But a certain one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Jesus answered them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to seize me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you didn't arrest me. But this is so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. So Jesus and his disciples just finished the Passover dinner together, and they go out to the Mount of Olives, and they get to this place called Gethsemane. So then this was the perfect place for Jesus to pray, but he starts getting like super sorrowful as he's traveling, obviously, because he is about to die. He is about to be betrayed. He is about to become sin for people and be separated from his father. Jesus's soul was so sorrowful that he was about to die. He was literally about to drop dead in the Garden of Gethsemane because of how sorrowful he was. And so he goes a little bit away to pray and he falls down and he calls the father Abba. And Abba is a Greek word that actually means daddy. Isn't that kind of cute? So Jesus called his father daddy. So he called God daddy. And he's like, dad, You know, all things are possible to you. Please remove this cup from me. Now, we didn't really talk about the cup. I don't remember. I don't think we talked about it much in Matthew with this same account. So I'd like to talk a little bit about this cup today. And we often see this cup representing God's wrath in a sense. And obviously, God the Father was wrathful against anything sin related. That makes complete sense. I, I, like I said before, God's presence left the Garden of Eden. God's presence left the people in Exodus after they sinned. You know, God's presence leaves sin. He hates it. God hates sin. He does not like it because sin equals death. God does not want us to die. And he certainly doesn't want us to die in our sins, because if we die in our sins, we go to hell. So that is why Jesus came in the first place. But, you know, God does not like sin. In fact, he hates it. And so Jesus was about to literally become sin for us. That is a verse in, I think, 1 Corinthians, where it says that Jesus became sin for us. So God's wrath was about to go on to Jesus because God punishes sin. And so he was about to literally allow his son to become that sin for us. And he was going to punish his son instead of you and me for the sin that you and me commit. When I think about it in that way, I kind of realize how loving this is. On the father's part, you know, we often think of Jesus coming down in love. And yes, he did. He willingly came down and made himself that sin for us. But God, the father, allowing his son to do that, being okay with his son to do that, and then punishing his beloved and only son in our stead. So instead of you and me, having punishment from God the Father, Jesus did that for us and became that sin sacrifice. So God the Father has a huge loving hand in all of this where he was like, you know what? I'm going to adopt all of these sinners and they are going to become my sons and daughters. And then my actual son, I'm going to put my wrath onto him even though he doesn't deserve it, even though he didn't commit any of these sins that all these other kids that I'm adopting are doing. (laughs) And yes, I mean, I think that that's really, really interesting and really loving when you look at it in that way. But Jesus here, he says to the father, he's like, Abba, father, he says, all things are possible to you. He says, if there's any way that I can not become the sin sacrifice and still save all these people, how can I do that? That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. And it's not like Jesus was saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, uh, you know, become this sin sacrifice, which he did not want to, but he was not backing out of it in any way. Rather, he was asking the father, is there a different way rather than suffering through this torture, rather than being completely separated from you? rather than becoming the sin sacrifice, is there another way that I can save all these people without having to go through the agony of what I'm about to do? And so he says here to the father, he's like, but if there's no other way, then let it be done. That's what he's saying. And people often twist this to say that, oh, Jesus was about to falter. He was about to you know, let the people all die. I don't believe that. I believe all Jesus was asking for was that maybe if there was another way, because the father knows all, if there was another way, Jesus could do it a different way rather than going through the agony of all this. And so he says here, you know, you know, all, and if there's no other way, let it be done. And obviously there was no other way. And so Jesus goes and does it. And that's something that, you know, I think we really need to think about is that there was truly no other way for this to be done. It was either the people all die in their sins, you and me, or Jesus does this, or the Old Testament law with, um, how we continue to sacrifice the animals, which we find out because of our sin, we continued to, um you know, break the law and it just wasn't working because of our own sin nature. And then you still end up dying in your sins. So it was basically the first way of the people dying in the sins or Jesus doing it for them. That's something we really need to think about as, you know, there truly was no other way. So when we criticize the Bible, when we criticize the Old Testament and the sacrificing of animals, there was no other way way it was either die in your sin or have a sacrifice die for you which ended up being Jesus. So then after this after Jesus is praying and he's so sorrowful he goes back to his disciples and I wonder if he went back to his disciples almost to um get like get a little bit of comfort from them but they were dead asleep and they weren't there to comfort him. So Jesus wakes Peter up, and here's what he says. He says, Simon, are you sleeping? Notice that he calls him Simon because Jesus renamed Simon Peter. But yet at this moment, Peter became Simon. He was no longer that rock that the, the stone that the church was going to be built on. Rather, he was Simon <laughs> again. The poor fisherman, you know, and Jesus calls him Simon because that's who he was in this moment. He's sleeping. He's not praying. But Jesus says to him, he says, couldn't you watch with me for an hour? You know, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And I wonder what would have happened had Peter not fallen asleep. What would have happened if he would have stayed up and prayed and, you know, accepted what Jesus said here about Pray that you don't fall into temptation. I wonder if Peter would have, um, would have betrayed Jesus at that point. I don't know. So that kind of shows how powerful prayer is. You know, if Jesus prayed, you and I should be praying too. And if he tells Simon to pray, you and I should be as well. Because possibly if Simon would have stayed up and prayed, things might have changed a little bit. Uh, And Simon wouldn't have had that deep guilt on him later on when he did, in fact, betray Jesus. But so after this, Jesus goes and prays again two more times, comes back, finds his disciples sleeping again and, um, you know, both times. And finally, at the end, he's like, we have to we have to go. You guys have to go because Judas is here. He's here and he's about to betray me. And I believe the reason that Jesus says that to his disciples is because he wanted them out of there. Because look at what happens next when Judas and his, uh, Judas and, um, all the like scribes and Pharisees and whoever else, the Roman soldiers came and arrested Jesus with these clubs and swords. Peter took out his sword and cut off the high priest's servant's ear, we find out later on in one of the Gospels that Jesus actually healed that year. And that was Jesus's last uh, miracle before he went to the cross. But, you know, Peter did that and all the disciples were now wanted as criminals. So I think the reason Jesus was like, go, like get out of here, was because he knew Peter was going to make all of the disciples wanted criminals because of Peter's... Um, brash response to the soldiers that came to arrest Jesus. But after this, because now they are wanted criminals for what Peter did, they run away. And it says at the very end here that they all left him and fled. And so Jesus was absolutely right on the mark when he said, you know, you guys are all going to leave me and you're all going to leave me and you're going to, uh, And Peter, in fact, was going to deny Jesus three times, but we'll talk about that later. I've talked a lot about um, Judas, I believe. So I didn't mention him too much in this episode, but obviously you know that Judas came and said that uh, he was going to kiss Jesus on the cheek. And that was how all the soldiers were going to know which one was Jesus. Remember, this was the middle of the night. And Jesus was probably a very ordinary looking person. And so the fact that Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek uh, would have told the soldiers which person Jesus was. And so in that way, Judas betrayed Jesus with a supposedly friendly kiss. And uh, Jesus knew, obviously, everything that Judas was doing. But, you know, friends and faithful listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode this morning. I hope you guys appreciated it. I hope you guys like it. And as always, make sure to share it on your social media platforms. But guys, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Thursday. And as always, happy listening and God bless.